Well, good morning. Now, welcome to Connection Point Church, and welcome to those joining us online. I'm Pastor Zach. Shelly and I serve as lead pastors here. So glad you're here with us today. And I trust in your community question time that uh, you were able to come up with some answers to maybe some things you'd like to do differently. As you hit into uh, 2019, maybe uh, uh, exercise more, maybe eat a bit differently. Uh, maybe, you know, as Shelly shared in, in giving, give differently. Take next steps in, in giving. Maybe take a trip. You know, I don't, I don't know what answers you came up with. Uh, I heard a lot of uh, different answers. And, and as we head into the new year, what, I, what I'd like to put before you today is may we look at the way that we spend time with Jesus and maybe do that a little bit differently this next year. Uh, I'd like us to examine that today. Is it important to exercise? Absolutely. Is it an, uh, valuable to take family vacations? For sure. Uh, but what I'd like to share with you today is it's extremely valuable for us to spend time with Jesus every day, to abide daily. Uh, but maybe you question that this morning, you're not real sure that there's value for that in your life. But my hope is by the end of the message today, you see the value of spending time with Jesus and just have some practical how-tos on how do we do that on a day-to-day basis. That's my hope for you today. So if you have your Bibles, hey, I hope you've got God's Word in your hand. If you don't have a copy of the, the Bible, you're welcome to grab one underneath the chair in front of you. We say that simply because we want you in God's Word, day in and day out, to abide daily. I'm going to invite you to stand for the reading of God's Word. We're in John chapter 15 today, first 11 verses. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, fourth book in the New Testament, John chapter 15. Jesus is speaking here. It's red letters. So Jesus speaking to us. This is God's audible voice. So God speaking to you today. May we see these words as truth. And here's what Jesus says. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to me my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. These are the very words of God. You may be seated this morning. So we've talked a lot this year about living the extraordinary life that Jesus offers us. We shared uh, Sunday in September, a vision video that explained the process that we as a church commit to leading people in, and you're invited to be a part of that process of finding belonging and believing, becoming like Jesus and bringing others in the same, that that's what the extraordinary life looks like as you walk through that, that process. But what I'd like to put before you this morning is that abiding is the root of it all. That ultimately, if you want to know your belonging in God, you need to abide in Jesus. 
If you want to believe in Jesus in ever-deepening ways, that you understand these words as truth, that you can abandon all for him, that you can be empowered to live in his name, to believe in Jesus like that, as you abide in him, you understand that you get to believe in him in ever-deepening ways. As you abide in Jesus, then you start to become like him. You start to live and look like him. And, and that helps you to be able to bring others. That as you abide in God, as you abide in Jesus, then he'll give you instructions on who it is you should be bringing and how you should bring them. Abiding is the root of it all. It's at the core of our mission as a church. Because our mission is you walking through that process and then you helping others go through that process too. And so where do we get our example of how to abide? We read in John 15 how Jesus encourages us to abide, but what we need to see this morning is that Jesus encourages us to abide because he found value in abiding too. Jesus is our example. He's our role model when it comes to abiding. Jesus was extraordinary. He lived an extraordinary life, and in part because he took time to abide daily. And so that's where I'd like us to go this morning. So if we're going to live extraordinary lives, we must learn to abide too. And so how do we do that? Let's walk through that this morning. To live an extraordinary life, we must abide daily. Why? Because Jesus did. To live an extraordinary life, we must abide daily because Jesus did. One of the opening verses in the New Testament book of Mark. Here's what it tells us. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed. Jesus would wake early in the morning to spend time in prayer. Luke 5.16, we've been walking through the New Testament book of Luke as a church. So we've covered this verse, but here's what it says to remind you. Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. Jesus made a regular habit to spend time alone with God the Father. It was his regular habit. Have you ever considered how did Jesus know where to go, what to say, who to heal? If you read the the account of Jesus healing the man at the pool of Bethesda, he had to walk past a lot of lame people to get to the person that he healed. How do we think Jesus knew who to heal? I would put before you today, I think as he spent time with God the Father, that's where he received those instructions of who to heal, what to say, and where to go. And how do, I, how do I know this? If you were here last week, we read uh, John chapter 14. And here's what Jesus told the disciples. So here's why I think this. He says, the words that I say to you, Jesus speaking here, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. In other words, Jesus receives instructions from the Father. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Jesus did what the Father instructed. And he says, I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. That's abiding language right there. And it's this kind of relationship that we're invited to as we abide in Jesus. What an awesome invitation. Just as Jesus abides in God the Father, we've been invited to abide in Jesus. And here's something we need to understand this morning. As God come in the flesh, we just celebrated Christmas, God come in the flesh, Emmanuel, God with us in Jesus. Jesus isn't just our Savior and Lord, he's our role model. Let me say that again. Jesus is not just our Savior and Lord, as if it's just, you know. He's our Savior and Lord, but he is also our role model. How do we know this? Because Paul, a follower of Jesus, here's what he writes about the nature of Jesus. He's writing some believers in a town called Philippi. And here's what he says. 
Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. That actually should be an encouraging verse for us this morning. Because Jesus did not pull his son of God card while he was on earth. I think we'd like to think that. Like he did the things he did because he was the son of God. How about he did what he did because he spent time with the father and was empowered by the spirit to do it? Have we considered that? He was fully God and that he was sinless and he could go to the cross for us. But he was also fully man and that he deliberately chose to limit his divine attributes and power to not only show us who God is, but also to demonstrate for us what the normal, and I mean normal, Christian life should look like. Jesus was normal for Christians. Anything that's not what he's living is abnormal Christianity. We need to take heart this morning and understand we have a role model in Jesus. We should live. We have the ability to live like him. So then the question this morning for us is why would we not? Or why are we not? But I also think that we like the thought of Jesus pulling his son of God card. We like Jesus as our superhero. Jesus, you know, we like Superman Jesus. And why do we like Superman Jesus? Because then it, you know, lets us off the hook. We then don't have to pray like he prayed. We don't have to memorize scripture like he memorized it. We don't have to expect miracles like he performed those miracles. But can I tell you this morning? Yes, he's the son of God, but he was also fully man. And in that regard, he is our role model and we can live like him. So why don't we? Why don't we spend time abiding? Why don't we spend time with God the Father? Why don't we seek the spiritual gifts that he promised that we would have? That's something for us to consider today. The problem is, Jesus said, we should expect to live like him and even expect greater things. That's a crazy verse. We read it last week. I didn't emphasize it because I knew I was going to talk about it today. John chapter 14. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. I just think we discount the words of Jesus sometimes. It's hard for us to believe these words. And greater works than these he will do because I'm going to the Father. Here's what Jesus is saying. He says, look, I've only done what the Father's told me to do. I want you guys to understand this. And I did this by spending extravagant time with God the Father daily. But I'm about to go to him. So I expect you, he expects us to carry on the work that he's been doing. And the good news is he expects greater things to even happen. But I'm not sure that that's great news for us this morning. Because I don't know that we expect that today. And here's what Jesus says. He says, I'm sure the disciples are like, well, how in the world is that going to happen? And Jesus is sure to give the answer. A couple of verses later, here's what Jesus says. I will ask the Father, he will give you another helper to be with you forever. So Jesus says, look, I'm going to the Father. You're going to do these great things. And here's how it's going to happen. I'm going to send you the helper. His name's the Holy Spirit. This is how Jesus did what he did. I want us to grab a hold of the humanity of Jesus this morning. We know he's the son of God. We know that he died for our sins, but do we understand he's our role model today? Reading from Luke chapter three, here's what it says. Now, when all the people were baptized and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heavens were opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove and a voice came from heaven. 
You are my beloved son. With you, I'm well pleased. Jesus became firm in his identity and who he was as a child of God. And then he became empowered by the Holy Spirit to do exactly what the Father wanted him to do. We just celebrated the coming of Jesus at Christmas. That he was born in Bethlehem, fled with his parents Mary and Joseph to Egypt, and then returned later to Israel and settled in Nazareth. He impressed a few people at the temple at the age of 12, but we otherwise don't hear anything about Jesus until the age of 30, when he was baptized, and God the Father speaks over him, and the Holy Spirit descends on him. And then Jesus spends 40 days in the wilderness, being tempted by the devil before coming out of the wilderness, and here's what Luke records. And Jesus returned in the power of what? The Spirit. It shows up. Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and a report about him went out through all the surrounding country. Now, I had mentioned this early on as we kicked off Luke, but Luke is very much all about a Spirit-empowered Jesus. And then Acts becomes all about a Spirit-empowered church. So part of our life in Christ is as we spend time in spiritual discipline, spend time with Jesus, spend time with God the Father, spend time with the Holy Spirit, and then as we are empowered by the Holy Spirit, we can expect to live like Jesus. May we live like Jesus. Consider this, for 30 years, no one talked much about Jesus. 30 years. For 30 years, no one followed Jesus as a disciple. For 30 years, Jesus studied scripture and a trade. That's what he was doing. But now that he's empowered by the Holy Spirit, people are talking. And that same Holy Spirit that helped Jesus desires to help us too. The Holy Spirit desires to help you. He is our helper. And this is why spiritual disciplines and the empowerment of the Spirit is important for us today. Jesus took regular times to meet with God the Father. He knew scripture. He knew God's word well. And he was empowered by the Holy Spirit to do the work the Father constantly wanted him to do. Jesus talked continually to the Father, and he walked constantly by the Spirit. This is the life of Jesus. Jesus didn't abide because he was God. He did it because he was like us, and he needed to abide. Jesus needed to abide. We need to abide. His life, moment by moment, remained emptied of his personal, vast spiritual power in order to depend on the Father and allow him to direct his actions. And it's this kind of life he wants us to live. And he showed us it can be done with the Father's help. For us to live extraordinary lives, we must abide daily, because Jesus did. We will not know what God wants to do through our daily lives unless we spend regular times with Jesus. Abiding helps us walk with God to be changed and to hear what God wants us to do. We will not be able to do what God wants us to do unless we've been empowered by his spirit to do it. So if you don't know a whole lot about how the Holy Spirit empowers us, I encourage you, our Connect Group sign-up is live, and we have Naturally Supernatural as a Connect Group on Wednesday nights as we head into January. Take your Connect Group guide. Jump in the Naturally Supernatural class. We want you to abide daily and be empowered by the spirit. And as you do those things, we're meant to live like Jesus. And I think God's waiting for a people that says, all right, God, we're going to do that. And watch what God does through that kind of community of faith. So I encourage you, spend time with God daily. Do it because Jesus did. And be empowered by the Holy Spirit to use those gifts he's given you. You are meant to live an extraordinary life. But to do so, you must follow the example of Jesus and abide daily. 
So then the question is, how do we do that? How do we abide? And the first thing we find is, is that for us to live that extraordinary life, we abide daily by reading our Bibles. To live that extraordinary life, we abide daily by reading our Bibles. Right after Jesus was baptized in water, God the Father said, you are my beloved son, so God giving that identity to who Jesus is. With you I'm well pleased. And the Holy Spirit descended on him. And then in Luke 4, here's what we find. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, he returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. So as as Jesus is tempted by the devil during this time in the wilderness, over and over again, he quotes scriptures to defend himself from Satan. Well, what does that mean? Jesus knew scripture. And can I put before you today, he knew scripture not because he was a son of God. He knew scripture because he studied it. We already covered that. Jesus emptied himself. Jesus had to study like everyone else. He didn't just wake up one day and have the whole Bible memorized. Wouldn't that be nice? Like you wake up tomorrow, boom, you've got the Bible memorized. Who would like that? Fantastic. Well, we got to work at it, folks. It's a discipline for us to know scripture. Why is it valuable for us to memorize scripture? Because then as things come at us in life, like things came at Jesus in the wilderness, we know then who we are in Christ, the promises we get to stand on, and the empowerment that we can have in Jesus' word. Help us, Lord. And here's how I know that Jesus had to memorize scripture. It says in Luke chapter 2, and Jesus, what did it say? Increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. So the scripture comes right after. Jesus is, he's, he's 12, he's at the temple, the south steps. Uh, Mary and Joseph, they come back to find him there. And people are impressed with his teaching. He knows scripture. He's been studying it, I suppose, with his dad. We can talk more about that later. But that's what I understand, that he's been studying scripture with Mary and Joseph. He knows scripture well. But then as he goes back to Nazareth, this is where that verse comes in. And for Jesus to grow in wisdom, it means he didn't just wake up one day and have it all. He didn't. Jesus spent time in God's word. He spent time in scripture. But what's interesting is not only did Jesus spend time in God's word, John, a follower of Jesus, he actually refers to Jesus as the word. I love this. Reading from John chapter one, here's what John writes. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him was not anything that was made. And then in verse 14, it it helps us know who the word is. And the word became flesh, this is Christmas, and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory is of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. So this is not a trick question this morning. Who is the word of God? Jesus is. So why does John use the word word? Well, John chooses that word because he understands that Jesus came as he followed Jesus. He could see the words of Jesus as the truth of God and the person of Jesus as the truth of God in such a unified way that Jesus himself in his coming and working and teaching and dying and rising, it was the final and decisive message of God. He was the word. He embodied it. What God had to say to us was not only or mainly what Jesus said, but who Jesus was and what he did. This is why Jesus is our role model. And then if we jump ahead to to chapter 8 in in John, here's what Jesus declares. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. 
So again, the word abiding. Abiding, but this time Jesus refers to abiding in his word. And as we read God's word, we're abiding in Jesus. As we read God's word, it's an indicator that we're followers of his. As we read God's word, we're reading truth. And here's the amazing thing. As we read God's word, we're set free. There's something powerful that happens as you abide by reading God's word. Because as you abide, you abide in Jesus, and he is the liberator of our souls. Reading the Bible is an important part of abiding daily. So what I'd like to do this next year is encourage everyone to, let's read the Bible together as a body of of believers. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we come together and when we see each other, not just here on a Sunday, but out and about in community, wouldn't it be great to say, you know what, this verse, it meant so much to me this morning. So we don't just talk about weather and sports, but wouldn't it be great to also talk about scripture? And the way that we can do that is if we read God's word together. So there's an app that I've really come to appreciate. It's called Read Scripture, and it leads you from Genesis 1 through the end of Revelation to understand we were God's children in paradise, and he's bringing us back there. And so it's, it's a great way for us to read through the Bible in a year. So I want to share a brief video that shows you what that is. So the thing I like about the Read Scripture app is it walks you all the way through the Bible, Old Testament to New. It helps you see the, the unified way by which it was written, which is an amazing thing in and of itself. Only God could do that. I love how it points out that things point to Jesus, that his coming, that that's where, where it climaxes. Um, but I also love, uh, from a teaching span, t- standpoint, the videos that if you do get, you know, struggle a little bit with the, the, the books that you're getting into, it gives you a video to explain this is what's happening here. So then as you read the verses, you've got something to attach it to. It's a great way to read through the Bible in a year, and I encourage you to do that. The question is, well, what if I don't have a smartphone or tablet? That's okay. These are by daily guides that were on your seat when you came in this morning. In the back, it has the reading guide that we're following. So feel free to take one of those home with you. I encourage you to take it home, and you can read right along with us. And then as you start a new book of the Bible, you can just go to thebibleproject.org, and it will show those videos so you can still watch those and keep reading the Bible. So just keep that guide next to your Bible as you read this next year. I encourage you to do that, and everything that I've just said is on page 8 in here. So if you feel like, well, I missed that, just take the guide home, and and everything is in there for, for you to be able to follow. But I just want to encourage us as a body, man, let's read through God's Word together. Why? Because the early church did, and and we need to make sure that we're walking in Scripture together. It's valuable. To live an extraordinary life, we must abide daily by reading our Bible. And to live that extraordinary life, what else do we find? We abide daily by spending time in prayer. To live that extraordinary life, we abide daily by spending time in prayer. So I've already shared the verses from the New Testament books of Mark and Luke that show us Jesus had a regular habit of spending time in prayer. It's just what he did. I've mentioned this is likely when Jesus received instructions from God the Father on where to go, what to say, and who to heal. But the question is, how are we to pray? How should we pray? And the original disciples had the same question for Jesus. So reading from Luke chapter 11, here's what the disciples asked. Now, Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. I love that. I love that they were watching Jesus pray and they could understand, I need to pray like he's praying because he's doing some extraordinary things and I need to pray like that too. So they ask him, how do we pray? So in your Abide Daily Guides in pages 16 to 18, I just walked through because I've already shared the message on this from the Lord's Prayer. Some people call it, I like to call it the Disciples' Prayer 
because Jesus gave it to the disciples. So if you want to know how to pray according to what Jesus lays out for the disciples, it's in your by daily books, and I want you to take that home. In fact, I'm going to encourage everybody to take it home. Uh, read this today and tomorrow, and then on January 1st, let's start going through Scripture together, starting in Genesis 1. So read this, let's get into Scripture, and let's start abiding together as a community of faith. Uh, one of the questions I've also gotten is when. When is the best time to abide? And the answer is daily, and otherwise, it really depends on you. Some of you are larks, you like to get up early, so I would encourage you to wake up early to abide with Jesus. Some of you are owls, you don't like the larks, and so you can, you know, abide in the evening. It doesn't really matter when, it just matters that you abide. That's what matters. Now, now part of what you're going to find as you work through the Read Scripture app is that you're encouraged to pray a psalm a day. You'll start on January 1st with Psalm 1. You see, the Old Testament book of Psalms was the prayer and hymn book for Jesus and the disciples. So as we pray through a psalm a day, we're praying along with the early church and the prayers that they prayed. So then the question is, well, how do I pray through a psalm? So what I want to do next week, Pastor Mark mentioned there's a soak night next Wednesday night. Well, next Monday and Tuesday, the 7th and 8th, we'll have an hour-long prayer time from 6.30 to 7.30. And all I'm going to do is just walk through how do we pray the psalms, and let's do that together. So we'll just go ahead and follow the Read Scripture app. So we'll pray through Psalm 7 together and Psalm 8 together. And that way we can learn how do we pray those psalms. It's not complicated, but let's just start abiding together as a church. I just really feel like the Lord wants us to begin to step out into that as a body. So let's pray together. Let's, let's read God's word together. And let's see what God does as we step into spiritual disciplines in that way. To live an extraordinary life, you must abide daily. To live an extraordinary life, we must abide daily as a body. The last thing I'd like to mention as we close this morning is that abiding will require intentional effort on your part. It's going to require effort. It often starts as a discipline, but then before long it becomes a desire. Hey, I, I want to spend that time. And then it becomes a delight. Jesus, I love spending time with you. And maybe you're thinking, well, I'd rather just get 30 extra minutes of sleep. But what I want you to know is that Jesus offers you rest in abiding. And it's a different kind of rest than that is, which is found in sleep. Reading from Matthew chapter 11, here's what Jesus says. Come to me, all who, who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Many of us, we suffer from hurry sickness, from soul sickness, and the only cure is abiding in Jesus. You may have held off wearing the yoke, you know, so that we know what a yoke is. We live in an agricultural community. We, maybe you've held off thinking, I don't want to wear his yoke, as though you were not already wearing one. But what we need to understand this morning is this. The choice for us isn't whether we live unyoked or yoke, but that we choose to put on the right yoke. I think we've been deceived. You see, Jesus promises rest for the deepest part of us, but he requires us to take on his yoke. You might think abiding is that, it's that work, it's, it's yoke, but we need to understand ultimately it is rest. Rest for our souls, something that we all need. Jesus offers to exchange the yoke that we're already wearing for his. If we won't accept his offer, we will remain yoked to evil, lost dreams, broken relationships, dead religion, and lies. That's the yoke we otherwise wear. That's the yoke of the world. The lie that we are independent is just that. It's a lie. 
We always serve somebody or something. Always. We're hardwired that way. When we say yes to Jesus' yoke, abiding in him, we undertake the lifelong process of learning with Jesus how to live as God desires, which in the end brings rest. If you abide in me, I will abide in you, Jesus says. And apart from me, you can do nothing. What could your life look like if you were living in the rest of God? you consider that as you head into 2019? What kind of purpose could your days have if you started each day receiving instructions from God? What a, what a day of purpose. What could we accomplish for the kingdom as a body if we live like Jesus, receiving instructions from the Father through abiding and living empowered lives through the Holy Spirit? I think God wants that kind of community of faith. In fact, I'm sure of it. And we're not going to know until we take more seriously the opportunity we have to abide in Jesus. You are meant to live an extraordinary life. We all collectively are meant to live extraordinary lives. And it starts by abiding daily. I want to invite you to stand as we close in song this morning. And before we sing, I want to ask, maybe you're here and the reason that you don't abide in Jesus, you don't take time with him daily is because you've never made a decision to follow him. But today you would say, man, I I need the rest of God. I I need to live the life that he has planned for me. But that all starts with you saying yes to Jesus. It all starts with you making a decision to follow Jesus with your whole heart, with your whole life. And so today you have that opportunity that you've been invited to follow Jesus to find the rest that he offers in him. So if that's you today and you'd say, I want to follow Jesus. With every head bowed in this room, I just want to give you that opportunity before you leave. Abide in him by making a decision to follow him. So if that's you today, simply raise your hand and I want to pray with you before we leave. Anybody would say, that's me. Up here in the front, anybody else that would say, that's me. I I want to follow Jesus today. I want to make a decision to abide in him, to find the rest that he offers. Over here in the middle, anybody else that would say, that's me. I want to follow Jesus. I want to make that decision to follow him. God, I just thank you for sending your son as a role model for us. That Jesus is willing to empty himself to show us the way that we can live receiving instructions from you and being empowered by your spirit to do it. So God, I pray we'd be good servants. As Jesus models for us, Lord, I pray that we would do that knowing we step into the life, the greatest life that we could ever have in you. And so God, I pray for those that raised their hand this morning. I pray, Jesus, that you'd meet them where they're at. May that decision today last from now into eternity. May they journey with you for a lifetime. And God, I pray that they would find the rest that their soul longs for. May they find the purpose that you promise us. And God, I pray that they'd have the confidence that you uh, have them firmly in your hand. And so God, I pray that you would go with us today. Compel us, Lord, to spend time with you, that we would search diligently for you this year as that psalm was read, that we'd want more of you in our lives, that we'd hunger and thirst for you. And Jesus, we just pray that you would lead us into all of these things according to your riches and glory, O God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask if Pastor Mark could come and some of the people from our prayer team. If you raised your hand today, we simply want to be able to pray with you, give you a Bible and information on where you go from here. You see, Christianity is not a solo sport. It's meant to be done in community. 
And if you don't do it in community, the enemy is quick to distract you and drive you off the path that you're meant to live on. So I just want to encourage you, if you raise your hand as we sing, just come down. Our floor host may come and ask, hey, I'll go along with you. And I just encourage you to come, get a Bible and information on how do I follow Jesus for a lifetime. Because we don't want this just to be a one moment. We want this to be a lifetime decision. And we want that to rest firmly in you. Can we just praise God for those who raised their hand this morning? So whether you come down or whether we sing, let's just close in worship.